Vamos. Welcome back to Ghostbusters Minute. Ghostbusters Minute is the fan podcast that chronicles and overanalyzes the classic 1984 film Ghostbusters Minute by Minute. I'm Kyle. I'm ready. And folks, we are so lucky to have for one final show, his big final victory lap, Mr. Sean Buckley is here. Sean, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I was going to say howdy ho, neighborino, but you prompted me with my feelings and it just... (laughs) I I couldn't Ned Flanders it up, but I'm doing fine dandy. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us again. We've really had a blast having you on here and having your uh, particular uh, insight and witty banter about Ghostbusters. Uh, it's been awesome to have a bunch of special guests on here, and everybody uh, we've had on has been a fantastic time. But, Sean, uh, for the folks out there that maybe haven't caught the last couple episodes and don't know who you are, give us a quick recap of uh, what it is you do. I am a technology freelance writer. I write for Engadget. I've written for other outlets in the past. And in my free time, I make YouTube videos about... Ghostbusters and Back to the Future and video games at youtube.com slash Seanicus, S-E-A-N-I-C-C-U-S. And I'm an old friend of Kyle from back when we both used to casually blog about Nintendo games in the uh, the heyday of the Wii. Well, it was really cool to have you on here for the Ghostbusters connection, but it's been so long since I've talked to you. I was like, I'm going to kill two birds with one stone and have my old buddy on here and catch up as well. And uh, I'd say uh, I, I, I liken this to the, the old days of podcasting you and I used to do where uh, I would go sit in like a McDonald's parking lot and have to oh. podcast from my phone. <laughs> I did that a couple of times. It was like, I only have a few minutes. Let's find free Wi-Fi somewhere. <laughs> like, I still do that for fun, man. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, we lucked out that you're such a passionate guy about Ghostbusters, too. The, uh, the uh, series you've been doing on YouTube where you go back and analyze the real Ghostbusters cartoons is, is really fantastic. I've had a really fun time watching those. But you're going to continue that on for a while now, aren't you? Oh, yeah. And, and thank you. I appreciate that. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to – the whole show was actually just I bought the, the Time Life DVD set, which if you haven't bought and if it's still available, I think I think that it's discontinued. But you can still get the DVDs at Walmart or whatever. It was a great set. It looks like the firehouse and it has these cases with every episode. Yeah, it's a like steel some, case, right? Right. Well, they, the first version was steel cases. I just barely missed that one, so they're the regular ones. But you still have the really cool firehouse set, and it looks just like the firehouse. Yeah. It's, it's beautiful in my, uh, especially next to the to the Lego Ectomobile. The um, uh, documentary stuff on it was just kind of awkward. Did you think oh, so? Oh, yeah. It's Some of the recordings on it aren't great, but it's yeah. the information is good, but it's kind of like they, they went into like someone's bathroom. and like, Yeah, it's recorded. so weird. Recorded, it's, recorded it's J. Like... Michael Straczynski, uh, who was a great writer, worked on Spider-Man and a lot of Marvel comics, was the creator of Babylon 5, wrote a lot of the original real Ghostbusters episodes. Yeah, um, and so it's it's got great writing in some things, but, but some of the some of the animator. Uh, I'm sorry, go ahead, go ahead. Oh no, I said the whole reason the show started. Just real quick, we'll get to what you were saying. Mm-hmm. I needed an excuse to watch all the episodes. I just couldn't motivate myself because not all of them were good. I'm like, well, what if I was talking about it on a show? And I'm like, all right, I'll do that, and then I'll get to see it all, and I'll have an excuse. Yeah, yeah you're not just watching it for your own pleasure. You're watching it for science, Kyle, for science, if, for if education. You, if you've seen any of them, but like in their documentary stuff, it's just like some of the animators is just like dead inside almost and it's like the host yeah. is sitting there looking at him like okay can we liven this up a little bit oh yeah it's it's yeah. not the, it's not the best i mean i'm glad it's there because yeah me too um if you go to uh gbfans.net and a couple of the other sites they've pulled a lot of really interesting uh information from these that we didn't know about and we learned a lot about how in um in later seasons the they had this consulting company come in and said you need more slimer in the show and you need to make janine prettier and she can't be so mean and all these things that made the show worse later on they have all this insight and the writer is like yeah they ruined this character and i had to come back and i tried to fix it but then when i was done doing my guest writing they unfixed it again he's all depressed yeah 
Yeah. Well, that's a shame that they had to, you know, bring in uh, quote unquote experts to fix a show that didn't need fixing in the yeah. first place. But uh, but you're you're right, Brady. They're terribly produced special features, but the info's good. Yeah, the info's definitely good. So, Sean, were you a fan of the Extreme Ghostbusters? You know, when it was on, I was like mixed about it because I, I was, you know, I was. I, it was obvious they were trying to pander to the like, oh, everyone's got to be, you know, we've got to have this demographic and this demographic and this demographic. But rewatching it later, actually, I did. I wound up liking it quite a lot. I think they did a good job of expanding Sorry. Egon and and some of the characters. I think it was. Uh, once I got, it was kind of like it was kind of like my initial reaction to the new movie, right? The new movie, I was like, oh, they changed the proton packs. How dare they? And I had the same thought when I originally watched. Uh, extreme Ghostbusters, but it really grew on me. Yeah, but we did a Patreon episode for it a couple weeks ago and uh, ended up watching some of the cartoons. This was my first exposure to it, but I was really surprised with how good the writing was on it. Oh yeah, it was great, and I love yeah. the theme song rendition. Um, yeah, it's just like it's it's just uh, the the whole opening sequence is awesome, and you know the fun trivia about that. No, what is that? The gu- the guy that sings the Extreme Ghostbusters theme song. Is Jim Cummings, the voice of Winnie the Pooh? That's right, and Darkwing Duck. Yeah, Darkwing Duck. Yeah, that guy can do anything. Yeah, he's, got he, he's range. crooning like a badass. He has got. He's yeah. He's an incredible voice actor. <laughs> yeah, I I really liked it a lot. I think it did a good job catch, capturing the spirit of the original show and expanding on the lore. It's a little more serious than the real Ghostbusters cartoon. Yeah, well, we uh, we had a great time watching it, and uh, uh, for our Patreon supporters, if they haven't caught that, that is archived on uh, patreon.com slash gbminute, so uh, yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun uh, doing that, and uh, I think we're having a lot of fun here. Are you, are you guys ready to get into minute number 69? Let's do it. Absolutely. We yeah. have a lot going on in this minute. It's a lot of fun. So in the previous minute, we saw the chaos and distraction caused by Walter Peck shutting down the Ghostbusters protection grid. The Keymaster has wandered off on his own, and ghosts have been freed upon New York City. At minute number 69, we see a wide shot of New York City where a pink beam of spiritual energy has exploded from the Ghostbusters headquarters. At 6904, the shot expands to an even wider shot of New York City with the beam of energy unleashing ghosts, which can be seen from a distance. At 6921, we could, excuse me, we cut to an interior shot of Dana Barrett's bedroom where she is now fully awoken and standing. At 6926, we cut to a shot of a subway entrance where Vince Clortho bumps into a gentleman. After Vince walks off screen, a paranormal wind kicks up from the subway, sending papers flying everywhere. At 6934, a shrieking ghost bursts out of the subway. At 6937, a ghostly pink mist floats out of a drainage gate and into a taxi exhaust pipe. A man enters the back of the cab and asks to be taken to Columbia Building on 57th Street. The camera pans over to show a decaying zombie cab driver in the driver's seat. At 6949, the cab takes off and drives dangerously, causing several accidents. At 6955, we cut to a shot of Vince Clortho walking the streets and looking into the sky. So it might not sound like a whole lot is going on there in minute number 69, but there's actually, uh, this is one of my favorite parts of the two montages in Ghostbusters. We have the initial montage, which shows the Ghostbusters business kicking up and how they're overworked and you know, running around New York City with smoking ghost traps and stuff like that. But this is the one where you actually get to see, like, a wide variety of what it is they deal with. Uh, and we actually cut we cut this minute right before Slimer pops out of a uh, hot dog crate yeah. with a mouthful of hot oh, dogs, yeah. which is a great puppet. But, um, yeah, Sean, what was your takeaway from minute number 69? This is, When I was a kid, this was, like, basically my only exposure to New York City. This, <laughs> yeah. this, this minute, like, it's showing the streets and everything going around. And by the time I finally made it to New York as an adult, it looks completely different. So it's like... <laughs> yeah, the New York we have today is not the New York of uh, the Ghostbusters 1984 era. It's a much more sanitized, uh, safer version of the city that we have now. 
Right, but that's not actually what stands out the most to me about this song, and we addressed this a little bit yesterday, but this this whole minute is is like terror for me it's like it's the song uh mm-hmm. it's magic by i don't remember the artist uh, it was, uh, Smiley, yeah mix Smiley, yeah it's it's a terrifying terrifying song this song today kind of like gives me nightmares yeah it's it, very it, unsettling I, I don't know why it makes me feel it makes me feel violated you know mm-hmm. in a way like which which is great it matches the scene because the whole scene is being like the city's being invaded i feel like this song invades everything in my life that makes me feel happy do, that's really interesting man um do you think it's because it's such a creepy song and it's got this this voice and there's just i don't know nature to it that's definitely dark but he's talking about magic something that's like i guess right positive. like it's it's yeah. not just it's not just with the like it says it's magic so it's focusing on this whole like supernatural aspect but it's just it's this it's this really creepy thing and like he's like he's he's starting the song he's like breathe you know yeah. and he's like yeah. really creepy voice and unsettling minor chords all the way through and like we said before it's extremely weird when you know that right before that the song is all peppy and happy yeah 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 you also see, you know it starts when you're seeing like no one is in control here and your hero's headquarters is exploded. Uh, your, um, I guess, you know, institution of what is supposed to protect everything, the environment, is has lost its mind. Uh, and now all of everything that is terrorizing the city is loose. And it's moving all over the place. Um, so, yeah, it's incredibly unsettling. And then, the, yeah, having the guys just starting off saying breathe repetitively. This, movie, this is not a comedy. Yeah, it, in it, this it, moment, it, it's really, it, really. It, yeah. Go ahead. No, no, yeah, it's you're right. It's not a comedy, but it's also it's really tense, and yeah. it's almost like a music video because the the slime ghost spirit things matches the pace of the song. Yeah, yeah, it you does. Know, there's the the shot of the New York City skyline, and it's just kind of sitting there, and it looks fine, everything, and then you start to see the lens flares, or not flares, lens flares, but the um. The spirit bubbles or yeah, something. Yeah, uh, beams of light and things like that coming up from behind the Empire State Building very slowly. You're not quite sure what they are. And this shot lasts entirely too long, like unsettlingly so. And it's, uh, yeah, it's really unnerving. It's always bothered me, especially when set to that music. And I think um, it's, it's supposed to, I guess. Oh, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah totally. It's and definitely man, intentional, yeah. They, they get it, yeah. Uh, but that shot in particular has always um, bothered me. And in the same way that it sounds like this whole sequence has, has kind of stuck with you, like... It's, I guess oh, yeah. it's one of those things you can't really put your finger on. Like I said in a previous episode, like I didn't when I was watching this originally as a kid, I didn't get that it was a comedy because the jokes were above my head. You know, I wasn't a very clever like four year old, um, so I would like this was the apex of the scary part of the movie for me. It made it feel really serious, like something bad was going to happen, and it, it, I think it just resonated with me on a level that I was too young to understand. Yeah. And that feeling, you know, certain memories stick with you, and that memory of how I reacted as a child, I think, has stuck with me my whole life. That's so interesting. Yeah, that's yeah. really interesting. Um, there's the shot that uh, it cuts to Dana's apartment when she rises into frame, and it's such an interesting choice because they're just showing this kind of blank, blank uh, gray wall, and you're not really sure what it is or why they oh, would yeah. choose to do that. And after um, enough time to go by to kind of confuse you or make you think, what the hell is this, she rises into frame. I think that's such an interesting choice yeah. as opposed to like starting off with her. Uh, it's very slow and deliberate. Yeah, and it's... Um, yeah, it's effective. So uh, I got some some pretty cool notes for this for this minute, as I'm sure we all do. But uh, Brady, you just pointed to, to me to something on your on your paper. Uh, the guy who gets into the cab, where does he ask to go? The Columbia Building. The Columbia Building, which, um, Sean, uh, on some of our previous episodes, Brady and I have noticed a pattern or something kind of interesting in this movie is we have a lot of references to 
Columbia, which of course was the production house, uh, right. the, the studio that made Ghostbusters. But uh, also, uh, you know, New York uh, has Columbia University, where the oh, yeah. shots of the Ghostbusters were, um, you know, when they were professors, uh, took place over there. Later, uh, I think uh, Vince Clortho runs by a fountain in Central Park. Uh, which uh, actually has a statue of Columbia on top of it, uh, who was kind of this patron saint or like goddess of the United States uh, in kind of a pre-Statue of Liberty uh, era. But uh, it, I gotta wonder is, how many of those were intentional. Like, how much did Ivan Reitman really care to throw in references to Columbia? You know, I'm, I'm curious too. I think that uh, I'm sure the fountain one was just kind of happenstance. But I'm, this one, when he gets into the cab and has to go to the Columbia oh, building, yeah. I'm pretty sure was intentional. And there was also a line in Ghostbusters 2016 where. Uh, uh, um, Kristen Wiig's character is talking to Melissa McCarthy's character about the new place where they work after they left the university and she mentions something like oh the new place well they care about us more than Columbia ever did which was kind of a dig at uh, Columbia Pictures not making a Ghostbusters 3 or not wanting to move forward on it and Sony going oh. full, full force into it so I did yeah, not notice that that's it, funny it's yeah, weird I mean, the everybody. only reason we, we the only reason I think we noticed it at all is because we're watching this movie minute by minute and trying to break it down so there's probably even more references out there but uh, now something that we are all skipping over is mm-hmm. the Stay Puffed Marshmallow ad on the side of the building oh well, I was just getting oh, yeah. to that yeah yeah jeez yeah, so that so is cool. going to be the first wide shot where the pulse of energy is coming out where the ghosts are being released on the city. On the left-hand side of the building, there is a Stay Puft. It's like a weathered look of like an old advertisement painted on a building, like you would yeah. say. And like it's, it's been there for 30 years. Exactly, which kind of, you yeah. know, it's I, I never really noticed it until recent viewings, but it's such great, subtle world building. You know, we have that reference to Stay Puft. Um, earlier in the movie where Dana Barrett is putting all of her groceries down in her kitchen and she puts down a, a packet of uh, Stay Puft marshmallows then. So. There's yeah, this, but this, um, this is the go, first foreshadowing right. you actually get to the actual man. Yes, That's absolutely. True, yeah. 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 So uh, this, this Stay Puft kind of gives it a lived-in, uh, real-world yeah. like, feel to it. Yeah, uh, yeah so, exactly. So you noticed that a long time ago. I, I didn't notice it, I think, until I saw it in, uh, you know, when, when uh, Ghostbusters 2016 came around, they put the original back in theaters with a 4K uh, remaster, right? Yeah. And yeah. So I didn't notice it until I saw that, and everything was because it's kind of blurry in the HD version; it's harder to make yeah. out. But in the remaster, you're like, "Oh man, look at that!" I think I, I, that's where I noticed it as well because I saw the same, uh, you know, re-release that you saw, and uh, there was a lot of stuff I had never noticed that I saw, like uh, the. Uh, at, at the end, when Gozer comes out of her pyramid, there's this like see-through plastic like uh, hieroglyph that she walks out from. It's very, very strange. Yeah, this movie's littered with things like that that you're yeah. going to continue to pick up. And I guarantee you, there's so much more stuff there that we're not, we haven't even oh, noticed yeah. yet. Like I didn't ever notice that the gargoyles in the opening shots on Dana's building—they're actually sort of transparent, but you yeah. can't really see it that well in yeah. the TV edit. But you can see it in the 4K. Yeah, that um, uh, was a technology that really didn't come into uh, perfection until like the the end of the 80s. So there are a lot of yeah. those early features you can see through stuff. So one other thing about this wide shot of the uh, the firehouse that I never noticed before until until this last view and I watched for uh, for you guys is the the street in front of this is really stupid the street in front of the firehouse is a is a one way street which means that when they left for the Sedgwick Hotel their first big bus and turned left and did that U turn they were uh, making an illegal U turn <laughs> oh my god you're right I noticed that one way sign when I was watching this the other night I didn't put two and two together that's hilarious so Walter yeah. Peck maybe was not completely in the wrong for trying to come and shut these guys down they're skirting the law at every chance they get. And you know those sirens on top of the Ectomobile are illegal. You gotta be a cop to have those. Yeah. (laughs) That's what he should be busting them on, not any of this containment unit business. There's real world stuff Walter Peck could be busting them with. Yeah, yeah. He's just incompetent. 
Uh, so they have the subway ghosts that bust out later. I found a little bit of uh, information on this ghost. Actually, I was kind of Googling to, to figure out if I could find anything about it, and I found the guy who created its deviant art page where he Ooh. had behind-the-scene pictures of it uh, and kind of explaining how they shot it. But it had this really weird kind of like aquatic look to it. It has like um, netting or webbing between its fingers, and it has kind of like a mouth like a uh, anglerfish. Mm. Uh, and one of the reasons was because they shot it inside of a cloud tank, and then oh. uh, shot that against like kind of a black mat, and then uh, you know put the effects on it and put it in there. I don't know if it was always supposed to come out of the um, subway, but it looks like it's kind of like swimming when it moves. Yeah, uh, I love the way it wiggles. Uh, it wiggles air. so well, yeah, and uh, so just to, to take his um, what he had written on his website here, uh, it was shot inside of a cloud tank. It was made from a hot melt vinyl with a armature constructed from brass and aluminum, and was painted with pearlescent powders. The shot was filmed in a cloud tank in a re- in reverse by attaching monofilament to the tail and pulling the puppet backwards. After reversing the film, it appeared to be swimming towards the camera. The subway ghost is ranked as number 14, uh, 14th best ghost in the series by ScreenRant.com. But uh, yeah, that motion on it is so weird, the way it kind of like wiggles yeah. and its arms are out. Yeah. It's great puppetry, though. But, oh, it really is. Yeah. One other thing about that scene, um, when the ghost comes out of the subway, and this is just testament to how they shot in real New York, you know, this wasn't sets or recreations or composites. Um... As he comes out of that subway, there's a phone billboard behind it that says "Fight Back," and yeah. it reads. It reads. It reads. It has a working phone number five seven seven tips, and that number still works today. It's for what? the New York. Yeah, it's for the New York City Police Foundation's Crime Stoppers program. It's for like crime tips, and you can get you can get rewards. So if you live in New York City and you see a crime, call that from Ghostbusters. You, know, you can get a reward. And I know that's probably something they didn't drop in. I'm sure that was already there when they went to shoot. But oh, again, yeah. that's one of those things like the. Uh, power service that just went and shut down the containment grid and the real estate office uh, earlier on in the movie. Just these real things that they're dropping into this movie to really ground it. Yeah, it's like not even important. It's just this authentic thing, and I never noticed before. I'm like, I wonder what that is. It's real, and I was impressed that it still existed. Mm -hmm. That's crazy, because on the sign is like a hand holding a pistol, and there's like red chains wrapped around the hand. And yeah, I was always confused if it was like some sort of like pro gun movement, like fight back, like take a gun on the subway Jesus. with you. But no, it's do the exact opposite of that. Let the cops handle everything. Call the cops, and they'll come yeah. in and uh, and fix it's, the situation. It's so blurry. I thought the red change might be like some sort of like disease or something. So yeah, it's pretty like, bad fight back against cancer. Yeah, it's confusing marketing. That's definitely true. So uh, we have the smoke coming up and getting into the exhaust pipe of the taxi cab, and we have a very interesting ghost uh, in the taxi cab because there's nothing else like him in the movie it's anywhere. Amazing puppetry. Yeah, it's a decaying, uh, like zombified taxi driver, and there's a lot of interesting stuff going on with this taxi driver that I would like to get into. So originally. Okay. This was not going to be in the movie. It was written to be a skeleton biker, kind of like Ghost Rider. And oh, okay. uh, they had some ideas and uh, a lot of, like, uh, I guess, a concept art on this skeleton biker that they ended up not using, but he eventually became the zombified taxi driver. Now, uh, I tried to figure out uh, how the puppet worked for this to try to get some, uh, some pictures of it, you know, and see the, you know, how they moved the head and the arm and stuff. And in doing so, I actually found pictures of a man in makeup 
with the taxi, standing by the taxi, getting makeup applied to him to be the taxi driver ghost. But I couldn't find any documentation of them ever shooting anything with a, uh, an actual person in the car. But this huh. was in the first week of shooting. They actually shot this on Madison Avenue. This is one of the very first things they shot in the movie. So I don't know if they went and they shot a scene with the guy in makeup and said this doesn't look good enough and then came back and had the actual puppet in or not. But the makeup, uh, it just didn't look as good as this, as this puppet because this puppet looks amazing. You know, it could be, and this might be expecting too much because they didn't—they usually skimped on this. Maybe he was just the driver for the scene where it's moving, and just in case someone looked in the window, they wanted him to look kind of like the ghost. Yeah, yeah, maybe so. Yeah, that's a good point because he is driving around there for a second. I've always tried to look in and see if I could yeah. see the stunt man or the driver. So that's that's a that's a very good point, Sean. One more thing about this scene with the uh, the cab is. I really like the passenger a lot. I always yeah. imagine this this guy gets into the cab and just got to his destination safely and was such a busy, like he was so busy being a business guy that he didn't even notice a ghost was driving. Notice, yeah. He was just like, ah, all cab drivers drive a little crazy in New York City, <laughs> whatever. One of these things, too, that um, I, I think one of the great New York movies is American Psycho. And so I've referenced this before on the show. Uh, so much of that movie is about, oh, man, these... Uh, businessmen from you know New York in the 80s and all this who were just so self-obsessed that they didn't know who each other was they didn't notice anything and this guy fits right into that idea yeah, and yeah right. he probably did get to his destination never knew the knew the better and he's rude right, when he, he gets he, in he, he, he probably thinks of himself so much better than the cab driver. It's oh, not yeah. even worth noticing that he's a rotting corpse. Yeah. <laughs> to him, he's probably just, rotting corpses. Yeah. He's probably just like, oh, this guy smells bad. Why do cab drivers always smell bad? And he's self-obsessed, you know? you know? I love that when he gets in, he's like, you know, let's step on it. I'm late. You know, like he, he's... <laughs> yeah. In Ghostbusters, there's this real kind of theme of a uh, kind of like an upper class dealing with like working class and the, you know, uh, the headbutting that you would see in a lot of 80s movies like Stripes and Caddyshack and stuff like that. And this is just another kind of like trope of the... The only thing that would have been better is that the uh, ceiling in the cab started to light up and the co- the host of Cash Cab turned around and was like, hey, you're in Cash Cab. I miss that show, man. That Cash was Cab was, yeah, that was a lot of fun, actually. Yeah. I always wanted to be a contestant on that. So, Well, that's all the notes that I have for minute number 69. Do you guys have anything else? No, that's it for me. Let's see. I might have one. Let me take a quick look. We got the firehouse. We got the billboard. Oh, there is one thing. This is actually in the next scene, and I'm not going to be here for the next minute. Go for it. Um, but really quick on the next scene. Uh, the first couple seconds of the next scene, you get a really quick look of uh, Dana's apartment out through the window, and man, yeah. what a view! Yes, yeah, yeah. She has the corner apartment at Spook Central up there. She's got uh, the in this beautiful Art Deco uh, apartment. Uh, I think we actually looked up like what the price was to own an uh, apartment at fifty five. It was something crazy. like six million dollars or something if you wanted to buy it today. But uh, yeah, it's like what? Well, like what does a con- a concert musician make in the eighties? I mean, it's like it's got this beautiful view of Central Park. It's just the most ideal apartment. I think we had figured that someone at her level uh, playing at uh, the Met would make what it was like a hundred thousand dollars a year, which even in you know is it's very good now. But even in the eighties, that was really good. She's she's got to be subletting from an aunt, someone who bought it like back in the Ivo Shandor days. It was part of the cult. Exactly. Maybe that's the uh, the story, the prequel that needs to be written. Why Dana Barrett was picked out that her aunt was part of the cult of Gozer. I like the way you Dude, think, Sean. That would make a lot of sense. Yes, it would. That's yes, awesome. it would. <laughs> no, new fan theory. Got to. I'm gonna have to develop that one. And they could still get Paul. Rubens to come back and play Evo Shandor like ah. they originally had because that dude hasn't aged at all so I love it write it let's do it <laughs> all right we got anything else for minute 69 that's it for me all that's right it. well I'm Sean good. thank you so much for joining us we've had a blast it's been great catching up with you and uh, really picking your brain on your immense knowledge of Ghostbusters we had a fantastic time here but for uh, anybody that maybe missed it where are the best places that they can look for you on the internet you can find me at Twitter YouTube Facebook uh, Xbox PlayStation all of it 
at uh, Seanicus, S-E-A-N-I-C-C-U-S, that's Seanicus with two C's, and uh, I'm on all of that and happy to talk to you. Love to have a courteous debate, or you can just tell me my videos are lame, because they are, but I love no, them. No, they're not. Don't too. listen to them. They're amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Hogwash. Yeah, and we're, we're definitely going to be posting some of those on our uh, Facebook group, so uh, oh, we, thank you. You know, we'll hopefully bring you some of uh, some of our fans, too. Uh, but it's, it's really great work you do over there with that stuff, and I'm looking forward to the continuation of the series, so... All right, Brady, we ready to get out of here? Let's do it. Let's do it. All right, folks. Well, I'm Kyle. I'm Brady. And he's Sean. And we're here to remind you that (laughs) death is but a door, time a window. We'll be back. Ghostbusters Minute is a fan-supported podcast. To become a patron of Ghostbusters Minute and gain access to exclusive weekly bonus content, visit us at patreon.com slash gbminute. If you like the podcast, then leave us a review on iTunes. You can contact us at GhostbustersMinute at gmail.com and visit us online at GhostbustersMinute.com, Facebook.com slash GhostbustersMinute, Twitter.com slash GBMinute, and look us up on Instagram at GhostbustersMinute. Our theme song is Ectoplasm by Audionautics, which is licensed under the Creative Commons Attributions License. Mm-hmm.